Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Hard Currency, the Financial Times podcast on the foreign exchange market. I'm Roger Blitz, and on this week's episode, what's causing volatility in the FX market? Why can't the dollar catch a break? Are we in a new phase of jawboning when central banks try to talk down their currencies? And are US trade battles going to upset the monetary tightening plans of central banks? Well, with me to discuss all these questions is Adam Cole, Chief Currency Strategist at Royal Bank of Canada Capital Markets. Adam, let's start uh, with this uh, early New Year volatility that's around. Um, what do you think is uh, behind it? Is, is it early year? Is it the fact that we're in January? That certainly would not be unusual. And a consistent phenomenon we see is that markets tend to have large moves in January as investors come back and put their uh, thematic ideas to work in FX markets. Um, that tends to be um, historically restricted to the less liquid currencies and the more cyclical currencies. This is a slightly broader phenomenon, I think. Um, and what we're seeing is markets um, are moving to reprice central bank expectations on the whole. Yes. So Bank of Canada left us quite uncertain leading into their meeting this week. We have the ECB coming up next week and suddenly we see the jawboning you mentioned. And um, suddenly there's a good deal of uncertainty on where interest rates are going in several of the major countries. And, uh, uh, and a lot of people have been interested in the Bank of Japan uh, and where they might be uh, heading. Um, it just feels to me like the everything has been brought forward a bit. Um, yes. Everything feels like, you know, we were expecting, you know, fourth quarter. Yeah, that's when we would, I suppose we were used to the glacial pace of um, monetary tightening. Uh, and now it's just, it's just got, got a bit faster. Yes, I, I think that's absolutely right. And, and it looked like, for a long time, there was a, going to be a very, very long lag between the Fed cycle turning and trying to find the next normalisation candidate. And suddenly we find ourselves well outside expectations a year ago with the Bank of Canada having hiked three times, the Bank of England having hiked once, the ECB talking about tapering and markets jumping to the conclusion that will mean relatively early rate hikes. And suddenly, as you say, the whole cycle has been compressed and markets are desperately yes. scrambling for where is the next normalisation I mean, story. It will settle down, but it will probably need a round of central bank meetings before that happens. I think that's probably right. Yes, yes. I did. I did. Um, a lot of things I'm reading at the moment are about the dollar and what some people call the head-scratching dollar. Uh, it seems, you know, to be constantly pummeled. It seems to be able to uh, recover and then very quickly not recover and go back down again. Why can't it catch a break? I, I think if we're all honest, we would admit it is a little bit of a head-scratcher because most of the cyclical indicators are positive. Mm. Rate expectations are still rising and the Fed is delivering. The political risk premium even ought to be coming down a little bit, maybe. Um, And the dollar just isn't reacting to any of that. And the midterm elections, yes, they're in 2018, but they're right at the back end. And it's not realistically. I don't get the sense that it's a a, a talking point behind the the failure of the dollar to rally. Um, And I think one thing which is questionable, particularly so when there are so many other 
central bank hikes coming onto the agenda, is that markets are starting to worry that the Fed is quite advanced in the tightening cycle now. Mm. And if you look at the way the, the rates market reprices rate expectations, we're starting to question whether rate hikes today are rate cuts tomorrow. So whether the Fed is... As quickly as they go up, as quickly as they fall. Indeed. Well, mm. this cycle is quite mature now. Mm. The Fed has raised rates several times, and we have, there is particular uncertainty over where neutral is in this cycle. Mm. That begs the question whether you know people are already thinking about the, the downturn. Which I mean, I was just listening to a, um, a conference call where, where they're talking about you know well into twenty twenty this you know growth of one point five percent in the US GDP. So they don't see it as, as the problem. But. And nor do we. And and, yeah. and I still think as a central expectation, you have to think we're still in the sweet spot for the currency, exactly. whereby the Fed is still hiking, yeah. but growth is still coming in trend or slightly above. Um, which should be a dollar positive story. But one of the few ways I can rationalise the fact the dollar won't trade higher on rate expectations is this tilt in the forward curve that we frequently see now, whereby the market is revealing this concern on the Fed perhaps moving into over-tightening territory already. Yes. It's it's, it's like people don't want to accept that the good times are here. (laughs) I mean, one explanation that's been punted around is this idea of diversification, that actually it's central banks moving currencies because because of the the, the weak dollar and they don't like the uh, appreciation of theirs. But does that wash with you? It doesn't. Look, looking at the hard data we have, the, the diversification story has been a consistent theme now for several years um, and for prolonged periods in uh, in those years, the dollar strengthened materially. Um, so I think that there probably is an ongoing diversification story, but it's rare for it to dominate foreign exchange market flow to yeah, the extent it's it does. It's, but... a, it's an element of yes. the flow, but it, it's very unlikely it's the dominant story. So let's talk about uh, jawboning, um, which brings us to the ECB meeting next week. You know, various people, uh, Villeroy, um, Novotny, oh, just lining up to say, oh, we're worried about the euro i mean um and the euro is now hovering 122 123 what is the real uh, ecb uh, the, the private ecb worry about where the euro um uh, starts becoming a problem do you think i, I think their revealed preference is that it's probably around here so euro dollar is now and euro trade weighted look at it either way really is around the levels we were at the september ecb meeting And at the September ECB meeting, the the ECB made the very unusual step of mentioning the currency in the opening statement. It's only happened six times in 20 years of ECB meetings that they've done that. So that's a pretty strong signal that they felt strongly enough to do that. But what on earth are they worried about when (laughs) their economy is just going so well, for goodness sake? What is wrong with 123 or 124? I I think the the concern is the impact on inflation. And ultimately, remember, of course, the ECB is an inflation-targeting central bank and <laughs> it's virtually all. And and there is still very limited evidence of rising inflation pressure. Core inflation is stuck at around 1%. Um, the uptrend that looked like it was setting in in the summer looks like it's faded again. And they don't want the potentially uh, depressing effect on inflation expectations of another round of import price deflation. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, I think, is the principal concern that they, the dynamic of lower import prices, lower inflation expectations potentially risks breaking the inflation circle that they've just about got running. More to the point about jaw burning or trying to talk their currencies down, will it work? Well, I think it can have some short-term impact. It's, it's, again, looking back to September, it was significant that they made that 
very powerful signal on concern. Uh, with hindsight, the euro did stop appreciating at that point. Um, and I think there is a limited amount that they can do in terms of at least slowing the pace of appreciation. That's a short-term effect. In the long term, all the evidence suggests that, that verbal and even physical intervention only really works if it's backed up by domestic policy. And I think we're a long way yet from thinking that the ECB is likely to set its domestic policy with a view to affecting the exchange rate. So I think it, 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 can, it can help in the short term in, in managing the currency slightly, but they can't turn the trend. No, I don't think. Well, none of this is going to go down well in the US, which is always worried about other countries manipulating currencies. But the other big thing with between the US and other countries is the trade battles that might or might not be happening. Um, we saw um, the Bank of Canada governor, uh, Stephen Pollos, uh, referencing the, the the NAFTA, the North American Free Trade Agreement uh, discussions, as being a reason why not to go gangbusters on on the Canadian dollar, um, uh, is does there the potential for all for this wonderful global growth story, uh, these growing um, currencies, is there the potential for 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 that to be disturbed by Donald Trump getting shirty on the trade battle? It's I think it's if if that risk exists, it's very unlikely to materialise in the relatively near term. So, so if if NAFTA does break down, if if Trump's negotiating strategy were to be um, to simply walk away, um, that will probably be apparent sometime in the first half of this year. Um, but the economic impact of that will take far longer to work through. And we're also not wholly convinced the economic impact is as big as some of the estimates are suggesting. So it's it's an uncertainty that's overhanging the BOC for the coming months. But I, again, I don't think it will be the, the, the only factor which dictates policy. They'll be looking equally closely at the domestic employment data, which have been tremendously strong recently, and the activity data yes. as they start to add up for the early months yes. of the year. So does it risk derailing policy? Unlikely, but it's an uncertainty that affects the tail risks but- in the background. The, the bigger trade battle may be between US and China, although it may just be too big for Donald Trump to take on President Xi on this. I, I think given the role that China plays or has played in funding the US deficit and, and the, uh, the pivotal role it therefore plays on the direction of the US Treasury market, which of course matters greatly for the stance of U, US policy, um, that is something we're unlikely to see blowing up to the degree it really derails the recovery. Okay. So uh, just a couple more things, Adam. Uh, next week, the big one, the ECB meeting. What's your general prediction on that? So on how it drives the currency markets in particular, I think the thing to watch is whether the strength of the currency again comes out either in the opening statement or as a powerful driver in the question and answer session to Draghi. Um, We are around the levels when it last did. It did put a temporary cap on the currency last time around. Uh, And I think that is a real danger that with the message has been very consistent in recent days. And the ECB is more worried than people perceive about the negative impact of a rising currency. So so rather than watch they watch what they do, which I think will actually be not a great deal on this occasion, yes. it's it's watching what they say and what they say on the currency in particular, which I think is the real sensitivity. Okay. And just finally, Adam, still in the very early days of twenty eighteen, what what when you wrote your outlook for this year, the end of last year, what was your did you regard as your most convincing, your your most confident prediction? I think some of the calls that we have most confidence in are those that are a little bit off consensus. So I think where the, where the consensus is going into the year ahead, it's uh, euro outperformance yes. 
Um, and I can certainly think of a, of a list of half a dozen questions uh, over whether that's quite as uh, as compelling as the market seems to think it is. So we have a slightly negative view on the euro, which I'm very comfortable with. To 120? What? To into the 120s, certainly. End yes. of year, and 125? Below, below 120. Below 120? Wow, well, um, okay. So, uh, so I, I think if you unpick some of the reasons that people have to be positive on the euro, and there are many, uh, most of them are open to question, and um, and we're quite comfortable not just being negative on the euro versus the dollar, but being negative the euro on some of the crosses versus the yen, for instance. Should we get you in this time next year and see how that does? Let's do that. <laughs> My thanks to Adam Cole of RBCCM. Next week, we'll be assessing that ECB meeting. It's its first of the year. It's a crucial one and the market reaction to it. So join us again for Hard Currency. Goodbye. Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources, uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellingcat.com.